Hello, everyone. Welcome back to GRE Bytes. My name is Davis, an educator with over 10 years of experience. And I'm Orion, the founder of Stellar GRE. We're here to bring you once again your weekly bite-sized episode on GRE prep and grad school admissions. Don't forget, check out our top-rated GRE self-study program at StellarGRE.com and use the code BITES for 10% off all memberships. All right, today we have another uh, listener question. Yay! Exactly. We've uh, received this uh, woman's email and I'll read it to you here. It says, Hi, Orion and Davis. I never in my life thought I could binge a Jerry podcast. Oh, that's sweet. However, I've really enjoyed hearing the questions asked and answered on your show. I started just this morning and I'm almost at the last episode. Digressing. My wonder is... As a psychologist, do you notice any patterns between your top perfect scorers? In other words, is there one or a few qualities, habits, etc., that your top slash perfect scoring students share, including how they respond to your material and also characteristics of their own personalities? With appreciation, Sarah. Um, thank you so much. I apologize. It's either Sarah or Syrah. Thank you so much for your question. So I'll hand it over to Orion. Orion? Orion? Orion. Which one is it? Orion. There you go. So let's hear uh, from our GRE specialist here. Yeah, it's a great question. I've worked with thousands of students over the years, and some of them have gone on to get perfect scores. It's really exciting when that happens. What what fraction would you say of your students? What percentage? It's very hard to get a perfect score. So I, I would say... I could count them on my fingers who have gotten completely, absolutely perfect scores, but scores of them have gotten top percentile scores, which is not quite the same thing, but perfect is very, very, very difficult. Okay. So uh, less than 10 out of your years of experience um, are, are perfect scorers, but then we'll also talk about top scores. Are they similar in their characteristics that she's asking about? Oh yeah. I mean, the difference between somebody who's getting a 170 on all sections of the test. I mean, I've worked with plenty of people who get perfect scores on two out of the three sections. That's very, very common, uh, relatively speaking. But to get perfect on all three is extremely difficult. But to get two out of the three, one out of three, you know, to get a, a 98th percentile or even a 99th percentile score, you, you don't even need a perfect score uh, on some sections of the test, uh, especially the verbal section. So there's a lot of similarities between perfect scorers and top percentile scorers. This goes back to the idea of the GRE being a game of seconds or like baseball is a game of inches. Usually the difference between somebody who's scoring in the top percentile versus somebody who's scoring perfectly is the perfect student was able to mitigate one more instance of potential carelessness over the four hour test than the top percentile student. That's the difference. It's not that the perfect score knows more than the top percentile scorer. It's not that they have different approaches necessarily. They're doing everything the same except this perfect score makes one fewer careless error over the length of the entire test than the top performance percentile performer. And so uh, what would you translate as a psychologist? How would you translate that ability to make one less careless error? Uh, What what kind of quality or habit would get you as a person? uh, Or she also asks about personality. What would get you to that 
to being able to perform like that. Yeah, well, I think if we're going to talk about personality, trait conscientiousness is probably a good indicator of somebody who's going to be systematically meticulous about approaching the test. Um, I, I have two responses to this question. One is that it's absolutely essential if you want to perform on the highest levels to mitigate carelessness because the difference between a top percentile or a perfect score and somebody who just does great is the ability to make just a few fewer careless errors over the duration of the test. Carelessness is fascinating because it could potentially happen at any step of any problem over the entire test, but practically speaking, it doesn't. It's actually very difficult for human beings to be random, even though within students' subjective experience, it could feel like the manifestation of their carelessness is random, i.e. unexpected or unpredictable. That's just because they haven't collected enough data. That's why students who really want to get these top percentile or perfect scores, they need to create an error log. They need to have a big enough data set, which in my experience will eventually reveal that the vast majority of their careless errors cluster into just a few different behaviors. For example, I have this personal issue with comparing negatives. I often get that wrong. I think that negative instinctively, like by default, I think that negative four is bigger than negative two. And that's not true. And it's awareness of this that causes me to slow down and implement a fail-safe whenever I'm in a position to compare negatives. I address that default blind spot in my thinking, and that's no longer a liability for me. So to be able to meticulously, fastidiously, and conscientiously examine your own behavior, um, look for and identify patterns, and systematically address those emergent phenomenon is what differentiates the great from the good. Great. So that's, that's, uh, you know, not only a meticulousness in terms of learning everything that needs to be known to knowledge wise, or even system wise to be able to take the test, but it's also uh, what I'm noticing, what you're saying is like the, the interest and courage and going that extra length to, to use the GRE prep period as a, as a, a time of self-study and self-reflection and learning about yourself, being able to apply those same uh, strategies to recognizing and tracking uh, one's own mental process while taking the test. I think that's well said. Now, the second way I'm going to respond to this, it might be a little counterintuitive, but a personality trait that I've personally encountered as being beneficial to perfect scorers or top percentile performers is humility. Let me explain what I mean by that. Um, there was, uh, there, back before COVID, I used to teach an in-person class in, in San Francisco. Uh, I did that dozens of times uh, with hundreds of students. And I remember in, in one class, there was a very bright young man who was scoring very highly. He was already scoring in like the mid 160s when he came into the class, but he wanted to get an even higher score. He wanted to potentially get a perfect score. And the first few weeks of that course, he was pretty resistant to adopting some of the strategies and techniques that I was suggesting. And I can understand that to a certain degree because what he was doing was mostly working. It, his natural approach to the test was already getting him into the 90th percentile and above. So on some level, it wasn't broke, but he also was in that class, 
I assume because his approach was only taking him that far and he was looking to go a little bit further. And he was, he would challenge almost everything that I said in front of the entire class. It was a lot for me to kind of keep my cool in those situations. And I think about three or four weeks in, after he challenged another one of the things that I suggested to the class, I told him that on some level, the only way that he or any other student could prove that my recommendations were wrong was by doing exactly what I told him to do. The fact of the matter is he was putting himself in a position to, to know more than I about potentially acing this test. And he was cherry picking the things that he thought was going to work and not even experimenting potentially with the things that he just ad hoc believed wouldn't work. It was kind of contempt prior to investigation, which doesn't really make sense. He wasn't quite putting himself with that open humility, which is kind of required to be a student. It's, it's actually difficult to be a student. It's difficult to admit I might not know as much about this as somebody else and to kind of surrender to their structure or discipline. So I, I do have a lot of sympathy and respect for my students. It's not easy, but I, I asked him just as an experiment to do exactly down to the letter, every single thing that I recommended on his homework assignments for the previous, for the next week. And if it didn't improve in score, I would give him his money back. And I think just out of spite, he was, he was like ready to do it because I think that he wanted to prove that if he did exactly what I told him to do, it still wouldn't work and he would be right. And until he did that, there are too many confounds in the experiment. We don't know if I'm wrong, which it's possible that I'm wrong, but we also don't know if I'm wrong or if he's introducing elements of error due to varying the recommended approach. Anyway, long story short, he came back next week. He did exactly what I told him to do. He got every question right. And his attitude changed considerably from that moment on in the class. And he was, he became one of my biggest supporters in that class and beyond. And he was one of the students who actually went on to get a perfect score on all three sections of the test. But it required, and it's like trust, but verify. So he, yeah. it was difficult for him to trust, but he, he was able to rationally understand my objection and when he trusted and he verified that it actually was getting him what he wanted, we had very few problems moving forward. And I'm, I'm very happy that he was able to, to have the openness and the humility to approach the possibility that he didn't know everything already. No, I completely agree. I think that's more important than anything else is that willingness to be a student, to, to give, to extend trust to the point of experimenting with it uh, and taking something at face value and putting it to the test, going through with it and seeing what it gets. And this is maybe a difference between Stellar GRE and some of the other big name uh, prep companies out there is, you know, they've got their big name behind them that they throw out as a reason to trust them. Whereas for you, for example, you've got uh, transparency in the results sure. in the margin of improvement, mm -hmm. as well as not only your own perfect score, but a number of students who have also achieved perfect scores. Um, that's right. We're the only empirically validated test prep company in the world, as far as I'm aware. And that's, that's huge. So the trust that uh, Orion is asking for here, ladies and gentlemen, is not necessarily unwarranted. And you've heard it here as well that, you know, if you come in challenging it, do everything that 
is recommended. And then if you don't get an improved score, uh, you know, there's a, there's a money back. Uh, well, Stellar has a, a score guarantee anyway. Yes. We have a 15 point scare, score guarantee, which is larger. I think it's the largest score guarantee of any of the major players in the online self-study program. So we, we put our money where our mouth is. is, but to be real, our average score improvement is higher than that. That's awesome. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll be back next week for another episode of Stellar GRE Bytes. Uh, if you have a topic you'd like to discuss, uh, just like this one, we love responding to listener questions. Please reach out, let us know, stellargre at gmail.com. And if you're ready to take your prep to the next level, again, you can check out our, stel- our top-rated GRE self-study program at stellargre.com. And don't forget, use the code BITES for 10% off all memberships. And if you don't get a 15% 15-point increase on your score, then money comes back. So see the fine print for details. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.